this band is awful. How many more songs are they gonna play? Thank you guys so much. Here's four more songs for ya. Ah, fuck. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of a podcast before it was cool. Today we will have all the latest and most up-to-date news in music and culture. I am Cameron Phillipson. And I'm Michael Klaus. And with today's story... Local high school math rock band, currently reaching the end of their second semester, are finding themselves struggling with fractions. A local history museum has recently won the title of best place to take an Instagram picture, narrowly beating out the local coffee house, and the graffitied wall behind Chili's. An experimental music producer says that he has found the perfect inspiration in writing the next Death Grips album. When asked about it, he had this to say. Yeah, my cat just kind of walked across my MIDI keyboard, so I just used that, and it sounds pretty good. A local progressive metal band shocked the crowd at a jazz bar this weekend. The band said that some of their songs have jazz breaks, so technically it counts. We hear it before it was cool have discussed a lot on the genre of rock and alternative. But with this episode, we've decided to broaden our horizons a bit by meeting with a composer and director of a local symphony. Here's the exclusive interview. Yes, thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh yeah, anytime. Uh, So what can you tell us about your band? Well, it's not really a band. It's more like a large symphony of professional musicians. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, so did you guys like meet in high school or college? Well, there are a lot of us who have degrees from Juilliard, but we were all hired here to play music professionally. Okay, cool. So it says here that you wrote your first concerto at the age of 12. That's a really cool word for a concert, by the way. What was it like performing so young? Uh, well, actually, a concerto is not the same thing as a concert. Concerto was a specific piece of music, uh, but I have been performing from a very young age. My parents were very involved in getting me started on the piano at the age of four. All right, awesome. So, um, I noticed that you were going on tour soon. What's the hardest part about being a classical band on tour? Well, uh, once again, we're not really a band, but uh, I think the hardest part of playing shows in different cities is being able to take proper care of our instruments when we're away from home, whether it be storage temperatures or humidity, or just in the right location. It's hard to care for such large, expensive instruments. Right, so uh, so who are some of your biggest influences? Well, you know, that's really hard to say. It kind of depends on the piece we're playing at the time. But recently, I've been getting really into composers like Mozart and Vivaldi and Chopin and Shevkovsky. There's just so many great composers over the years, it's hard to name just one that is my biggest influence. So believe it or not, I've never actually been to a classical show. Shocking. But I've always wondered, how crazy do the crowds get? Normally pretty calm. It's a classical show. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We hope to have you again. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, that was an enlightening interview, but now it's time to go back to the real music. With this episode, we're taking a slightly new approach to how we review the latest albums and singles we've heard this week. 
Starting with the band Church's newest single, Never Say Die. Well, I personally am a huge fan of this song. I think it's extremely catchy. That staccato that she does is extremely intoxicating, and it's really, really just fun to listen to. And it's a fresh take with a nostalgic kind of 80s feel within this genre. Yeah, I think for sure the best part of this song were some of the synth voicings. They weren't super original, but they were different enough from what you normally hear that it gave the song a really cool vibe. I think overall, uh, despite this not being a genre I'm super into, this song is pretty good. Uh, next up, we're gonna... Up next, the Wonder Years have finally released their full album, Sister Cities. This album is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's only been out for a little bit, but it has already become one of my favorite albums I've ever listened to. I think if you have the chance, you should definitely listen to it. I do actually do love this album. I do agree with the most part. I do agree with you for the most part. This album is really well written and well structured. Overall, I don't think they have reinvented the wheel or added anything new within the pop punk genre, but I will say the lyricism and the story that the singer has to tell it really stands out and really makes this out brings this album into this into its own. Yeah, after the last couple of albums, you could really tell that this is where the band was really trying to get to musically. And I think they really captured that really well with this album. Up next, America by 30 Seconds to Mars. And we're not even going to bother showing a clip of this cuz uh this album is not very good. Yeah, it's certainly not the worst album I've ever heard. Uh, but for some reason, it was not well-produced, and Jared Leto really just does not have the kind of voice to do pop. But it's It sucks, because I knew this band was going to go this direction in the first place, but this is the same band that wrote The Kill, which was, an, which was a phenomenal song, and it was well-produced, and now it's just bland. That's the worst part about this album. It's bland. There's nothing really interesting about it. Yeah, some of the guest features were pretty good. Uh but it never really came together to be a, a solid album all the way through. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey everybody, we're from the band The Delighted, and we're here to tell you today about our new Kickstarter. To record our first EP, we're asking for $12,000. To give everyone an incentive to give to us, we've set certain prizes at certain donation amounts. For just $5, you'll get a signed copy of the EP, and for $10, you'll get a copy of the EP and a special thank you email. For $20, you'll get a t-shirt. EP not included. For $100, we'll let you join us on stage at our next show. For $500, you can take our drummer out on a date. And for $1,000, our guitarist will join you. For $2,000, we'll let you take our band for a spin. For $5,000, we'll give you a guest vocal spot. And for $10,000, we'll let you write the damn thing. And if someone is generous enough to give us the entire 12 grand, we'll give you all the above prizes, plus a special t-shirt. 
Thank you so much for supporting us, and we hope we don't disappoint you too much. And now we return to that segment of the podcast that totally kills the pacing, but it makes our lives a little bit easier. Left, right, speaker. Hello, left speaker. And hello to the right speaker. And with this segment, we're going to talk about a genre of music that we both love, but are often too afraid to admit. And that is the genre of emo music. Yeah, there's all sorts of different emo. Uh, you got the classic stuff like Get Up Kids or Sunny Day Real Estate. You got stuff up to Foul Up Boy and My Chemical Romance and there's a whole range of stuff in between. Most of it's pretty good, but also kind of bad at the same time. But that's really why I love it. And we've decided to have this discussion because Emo seems to be making some kind of a comeback. And we don't know if it's actually making a comeback or if we're just feeling nostalgic for that sound. Yeah, part of the comeback seems to be because of the Emo Night phenomenon, where uh, some DJs just play some Emo songs. And that really just feels like it's nostalgia. It's not really a comeback there. Yeah, that I would definitely agree with. I feel like that we're all just feeling, for the most part, nostalgic for it. But that's not to say that there is no innovation to be had within the genre. Yeah, it feels like most of the innovation that would be related to emo is coming from smaller subgenres, rather than it be like the post-hardcore, or the heavier stuff, or even just pop-punk, kind of. A lot of it has that emo tinge to it. Because as much as I would love to see the bands that we all loved create new music and try to expand their sound i want to see more breakout artists come into the scene i feel like that's really what the scene needs a lot more of we don't need my chemical romance to come back and do a reunion tour we need a new band to really bring emo out of the abyss it's in yeah there's been a lot of those older bands making comebacks and they've not been as good as they used to be like senses fail but no album that it sounds like senses fail but it really isn't anything special uh, Underworld's new album isn't great. There's really a lot of just rehashing of old ideas, really not getting anywhere new. Like, even Weezer is getting kind of bland when it comes to, like, the older style of emo. Like, nothing really new is going on with that one either. So as of right now, do you really see any breakout artists coming into the scene? Uh, really, the only artist I know that's up and coming is a band called Microwave. Uh, they've been around for a few years now, but they're starting to get pretty popular. I think they're really going to break out when they hopefully release an album soon. I could definitely see them getting much bigger, but I still just don't know if they're going to be that breakout artists because ultimately they still haven't offered that much uniqueness to the genre. And I just really don't know with them. I do hope they do well because they do have a really awesome sound. Well, to be fair, there's really not a lot of innovation left in the emo genre it's really done just about everything it can at this point most of the innovation is going to come from the smaller subgenres splitting off from what emo used to be well yeah but i mean even emo in its prime was a splitting of various genres i wouldn't exactly say that under oath was the same band as my chemical romance or that paramore was the same as taking back sunday that's true, but as we go on, it feels like all these subdivisions keep getting smaller and smaller and further apart, and it's hard to keep track of what's emo and what's pop and what's punk and whatever. Well, yeah, but I mean, I guess to a certain degree that you can still argue that it always was that. But nonetheless, you and I have argued that like with punk, 
people still argue that a certain band can't be punk if they're a pop punk or if they are more pop punk than regular punk then is that really considered punk i mean as long as people are still listening to emo music whether it be old stuff or new stuff or whatever i feel like it's still going to be a genre that's growing and keeps changing i absolutely agree i don't know about changing necessarily but i don't think it will ever go away as long as there's still an audience for it i think there will always be at least one band that audience can still cling to to carry the genre forward yeah there's enough bands at this point making music that pretty much everything is going to stay sustained for a long time absolutely and it looks like that will conclude this section of left right speaker we will see you next time and that concludes another episode of a podcast before it was cool Thank you so much for all your support and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you haven't already. And until next time, I'm Michael Klaus. I'm Cameron Phillipson and this was a podcast before it was cool.